Hello, hello, and welcome to My Tennis Journey, where we aim to bring compelling tennis stories to life. As you're listening today, it'd be amazing if you could hit subscribe or follow. It's free, you know. A week or so ago, the club where I coach opened Derbyshire's first paddle tennis court. It's one of the first paddle tennis courts in the Midlands, and it's fair to say that my passion for the game of paddle has been ignited. And I've seen lots and lots of people coming off the paddle court with big smiles on the faces, having got together with friends or making new friends in the fresh air. So today I'm really looking forward to speaking to Tom Murray. Tom is the head of paddle at the LTA, our UK tennis and paddle tennis governing body. I'm very excited to hear about Tom's journey in the sport and what the future holds for paddle. So welcome to the show, Tom Murray. Tom, how are you doing? Hi, Rob. Nice to meet you and uh, excited to speak to you today. Come on, exciting, man. And, and Tom, I, I know you're, you know, you're, you're really passionate about paddle. You know, when I was reading your CV and look, checking out LinkedIn, that kind of thing, you can see, you know, that the passion for paddles there. But I am conscious that it's my tennis journey, not my paddle journey just yet. Uh, some listeners might not even know what paddle tennis is. Now, if you met somebody at the pub and you had to describe what paddle is in a few sentences, how would you describe it? Great question. Generally, if I'm speaking to someone, you know, that is from a tennis background, I, I use the word tennis. So I, I would say paddle tennis, just throw it on the end. And, and I feel that that kind of, you know, shortens the conversation and it just paints a picture. But if this person, this my, my supposed friend at the pub, isn't from a tennis background, I, I would say um, you know, I'd use the common uh, comparison, which is it's, it's a cross between tennis and squash. And even a lot of uh, British expats over in Spain uh, say it's like uh, squash in the sun. I think the characteristics of the sport are generally what I would I would go with. You know, so it's very social. It's dynamic. It's it's like tennis with walls. Yeah. So you're still playing over the net. Tennis scoring. Uh, it's played in doubles. So it's very social. Um, yeah. It's uh, I think just the, the characteristics uh, just easily define it. It's. Uh, I love that the Spanish call it squash in the in the sun. Um, having just returned from the outdoor tennis court and the outdoor paddle tennis court at Church Broughton, um, I can tell you that the people watching us there would have described it as squash in the sleet, almost snow-like conditions. Uh, <laughs> but to be fair, like it was still fun, you know, and 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 you know, I think it's really good to hear the functional description of what it is. You know, it's a, it's a cross between, um, it's a cross between tennis and squash, but when it gets into what it actually means to people, what it means is a whole lot of fun. It means that people are coming off the court laughing. Um, yeah. And that's, what's really impressed me about it. And, you know, I know that, you know, you play tennis to, to a really good level, Tom, you know, you went over to an American university, but how did your paddle journey start? Um, it's, yeah, an interesting journey, that's, that's for sure. I mean, I moved to Spain to be a tennis player at the age of 12. Uh, I'm an only child as well. My parents sent me away to a, to a tennis academy in, in Spain. And 
I mean, you know, the, the short version is it, it all went wrong and I came back with a paddle bat. But in all, in all honesty, at you know, 18, I decided you know, that my, my best route journey was to go to uh, the States on a, on a tennis scholarship. You, know, you kind of have that fallback, should it not go well, should you get injured, et cetera. So, you know, that, that was, um, you know, obviously four or five years I was out there quite a long time ago now. And every summer I would still come back to Spain. That kind of became my, my base. You know, I would play futures in the summers and, and obviously wanted to be training on, on the clay for that. So yeah, every, every summer I'd come back to Spain and gradually all of my friends were, were, were playing paddle. You know, all the tennis clubs were adding courts and it just became the thing to, to do. And when I first saw it, in all honesty, I mean, I, I thought it was ridiculous. Um, and, and I, you know, as I said to you before, it's... Um, I think tennis players, you know, any alternative to the to the traditional version of, of the sport, you, you kind of just, you know, frown against it and think, mm, not, not for me, you know, I've, I've stuck to tennis for so many years. And I was reluctant to try it initially. But obviously, if I wanted to continue hanging out with my friends, it was it was what I needed to do. They, they weren't wanting to, you know, train at tennis. And, you know, it's it was just, it became more of a social thing really. And, you know, I just gradually warmed to it and, and just started loving it. And then after uni, I, I couldn't actually believe it hadn't taken off in the UK. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where my, my passion um, sort of ignited for it really. I think you know, we'll come back to the opportunity, which is that realization it hadn't ignited in the UK, but man, I mean, normally we talk to people about their tennis journeys and, I remember chatting to Rob Morgan, who's a really successful British tennis coach uh, until recently worked with Joe Salisbury and Rajiv Ram. And he was uh, at a similar age. He went up north from down south. He went up to Bolton to train. But what was it like, Tom, to move to Spain at the age of 12? I mean, my goodness, how was that? The the first year was really tough. You know, I obviously didn't speak any Spanish. Um, I knew a few words. And, you know, I was living with a Spanish family. And so I was really thrown in at the deep end. And actually, you know, another player who was in the same Spanish family was Murat Safin. Wow. And so, yeah, it's a few good players I, I had around. It was a very good base. But, you know, he, he didn't speak Spanish either. So we, we had that immediate bond, kind of got through the first few years. Um, I actually taught him English. I mean, his English was very, very basic at the beginning. And he learned Spanish a lot quicker than me. I think, you know, Russian's a very tough language. And um, he, he picked up Spanish within a few months. Uh, and it took me quite a lot longer. Wow, amazing. And I mean, it begs another question. It's not a panel question, but when you've arrived and Mr. Sapin's there, who used to win in your training matches, Tom? I, I remember calling my parents saying, there's this this kid he's a lot taller than me he's got this huge serve and it's it's just not fair like you know i i can take him from the baseline but i just can't get into a rally <laughs> he's got this huge serve and he's got these weapons but i'm doing ever so well at teaching him english <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so i mean i mean and, and interestingly just from that period when you're over and you're, you're training over in spain as a 12 year old do you remember paddle tennis being there and part of the scene at that point and um, no when I was there at that age it wasn't really on the scene it was but I saw it happening 
over the years. I'd say when I was sort of you know, 14, 15, that's when I noticed tennis clubs adding courts all over the place. You know, all, all of the coaches from the academy would generally be playing in their spare time. And we'd just all be maybe doing fitness on the side and just kind of almost laughing at them, thinking, you know, yep, they've, they've switched because they can't, you know, hack, hack it on the real court. <laughs> yeah. It's really interesting. And to then come back from university, and they say that, you know, often great innovations come as a result of solving problems. And, uh, and it seems like the opportunity of coming back from university and realising people love this game of paddle, but there's no paddle in the UK. I mean, was it when you realised that, did you just think, I'm going to get on this, I'm going to make it happen? Yeah. Um, I mean, as, as strange as it sounded, it felt like, you know, I'd, I'd kind of seen the future in Spain as, you know, the, what, what, could, what could be, um, you know, tennis clubs that were struggling through the, the financial crisis sort of in the, you know, the early 2000s, they looked at paddle as a, almost as a solution because suddenly they had a sport that was becoming very popular. It was social and they could, you know, um, attract new audiences via pay and play. Whereas they might have their traditional membership models, you know, the, the, the longstanding uh, tennis clubs. And yeah, this was just kind of a solution for them. And so gradually they started maximizing any derelict space with courts and that the larger clubs may you know take a few tennis courts out for it um, only if they needed to but generally they were maximizing the derelict space and just engaging their, their their membership you know directly and attracting new audiences so it was it was really interesting to see and that was kind of a space of about five to ten years and you know, I mean, you know, just fast track a little bit to where we are today. That that's kind of my vision. I mean, that that's what I can see, and, and can already see it happening happening in the UK. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's fascinating, isn't it? I, I mean, just to allude to that at Church Broughton, I've I've already seen that the 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 court is really popular with people coming down and playing with the mates and with the families, and 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 it is. You know, it's fun. People are having fun. Um, but you know, you, you kind of you've realised that that there's this opportunity because you've seen the future. You got into that DeLorean and you've seen the future over in Spain. But how did you get on and make it happen? I mean, you, you know, you formed British Paddle in 2014, I think it was. So at that point, there's no paddle scene in the UK, and and you've just got on with it. Is that you know, was that the th- that was the driving force was you thought I need to form this, this organization in order to make this happen. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was a bit of a risk in all honesty. I'm not going to lie. After uni, uh, I'm talking sort of 2004, 2005, it was tough back then to find a job. I, I actually ended up in, in banking and coincidentally, they sent me back to Spain. It was Santander Bank at the time. They, they bought Abbey National. So there were quite a few opportunities there for Spanish speakers. So you can see my, you know, what I achieved from tennis was actually a, kind of an opportunity in disguise there for, for my next kind of step in, a, in the career ladder or yeah. first step. And so, yeah, kind of based back in Spain, really seeing the boom of paddle. And it, it just struck me that this would just work so well in the UK. It wasn't crossing borders at that time, you know, so countries today like France, Italy, Sweden, Portugal, they, they 
didn't have paddle. They might have a few courts here and there, but it hadn't taken off in, in other countries. So, I mean, it, you know, boomed throughout South America, but it was Spain, realistically, that commercialized the sports. They introduced a, a pro tour. And I think that's, you know, a, a lot to do with why it became so popular uh, and engaging, because it's a very exciting and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's visible. Obviously, you've got the glass panels. You can, you know, put on a really good, good event um combine it with a bar a bit of music so it's 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 very entertaining event and and the pro tour you know just took took off across spain and um, for i think those reasons i thought it was quite quite the opportunity yeah, but, but and, it like you you're in banking at that point still there so you know you've got that traditional you've got a, a corporate career path you've got the opportunity presumably to make a you know really good decent living out of finance why did you how and why did you make the choice to become you know mr paddle so to speak <laughs> i mean like i said i fell into banking my, my dream was to work in sports and that was the reason you know i went to uni um i got a degree in in, in, in management um with the vision to you know work for an, for an agency but anything sports related events that you know sponsorship that, that's what i love and it just seemed like you know the opportunity was there um, with this 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 new sport. So you know I, I quit my day job and I set up a paddle club in London with a friend, and we just went for it. Um, in all honesty, and it might seem crazy, we, we were split between: do we go to the UK and do this, or do we go somewhere where it might be a bit easier, like a Florida, a Miami? Obviously, hadn't taken off in the states either. You know, so comparing Miami, London, um, I actually chose London. It was yeah. close to my family, and you know, it it just made sense. But how did you how did you set up a paddle club? You know, it's like, what did you do? Did you just get a piece of land, or like, how did you how did you do that? Yeah, I mean, it was it was my friend really that that found the space, and uh, we, we we got very lucky because I see how difficult it is to set up a paddle club today. We got very lucky indeed. We, we subleased a, um, a bit of space in an existing sports facility in Canary Wharf. Uh, they had, you know, five-side football, um, netball, all, all different types of sports. You know, people would rent the space and pretty much do whatever they wanted to do on that space, even stag do's, I and mean, I've seen it all there. And we rented the last part of this facility, the, the furthest bay, and we introduced four paddle courts. It was in 2012 at the time of the London Olympics. Wow. So the courts were pink with blue surrounding. Yeah. And we were trying to you know, play off that, maybe get a bit of uh, visibility. Um, and it, it, it went really well. I mean, within six months, you know, it was the, the revenue was, was there. It was a proven success. But unfortunately, the, you know, the lease was on a kind of rolling contract and it was inevitable that we were going to get kicked out so we spent the whole time trying to find another space so it was a, it was a very stressful time um but the good thing was we were able to engage you know a spanish audience initially throughout london yeah. um and yeah it was at a time where the spanish um following in london was increasing very quickly and this is their national sport literally i mean it's second to football now and, you know, it was kind of pointed in that direction back then. So I'm talking 10 years ago now. And, yeah, we got to know the, the entire Spanish community in London, putting on events with the Spanish Chamber of Commerce. And, yeah, I mean, I remember being on the London Underground and just 
every every Spanish person that we'd bump into knew us. Wow. Uh, it was it was pretty surreal, um, and that's continued. I mean, I I um, I sold my my part of the business because I was you know wanting to replicate it elsewhere, and that was kind of my goal. Uh, and I can get into that in a sec. That's the reason I set up the federation. Um, but yeah, I, I got out of the business, and then they moved to Whitechapel. They then went out of business again, a rolling contract. I think Barclays Capital took it over and turned it into residential. And, and then some, you know, existing club players, they went up and set, uh, set up Stratford Paddle Club. And that's, that's here today. Amazing. Yeah, so what was the drive? So that's kind of 2012. And 2014, you founded British Paddle. Like, what, what, what drove you to do that? Yeah, we, we struggled at the club going into schools and trying to fill out those off-peak hours. And it, it was quickly understood that because the sport wasn't recognised, we were going to struggle. So for lack of no one else doing it, I, I felt obliged to create uh, the acting governing body. I say acting because it wasn't official in the first instance. And we were just going through a pre-application with Sport England and, you know, it, it were tough times to try and set up a new sport, get it recognised. There's a lot of paperwork, bureaucracy. And, you know, fast track quite a few years. I was actually consulting for David Lloyd when they were trying to put in paddle into their, their first few centres. So I, I did meet, you know, Scott Lloyd and his CRO, Julie Porter. And, you know, fast track five years, they were then at the LTA. During that time, I was speaking to Sport England to see, you know, how can we get the sport recognised? Like, please help. It was a bit of a catch-22. And they were, you know, indicating that it would be the, the fastest way to achieve this would be if you speak to an existing governing body. Would that be tennis, squash, badminton? And the LTA are keen to speak. Um, and at that time, you know, a few years before, the French Tennis Federation, the Italian um, tennis federation belgium netherlands they were all adopting paddle so you know that they had seen it grow in spain primarily in tennis clubs so it was kind of a no-brainer that the sport you know developed together yeah and and so did it so those conversations with the lta happened and you know was it something you felt you had to do you needed to do you wanted to do you know how how did it then actually get integrated into the LTA? Yeah, I mean, it all happened very quickly. Um, Sport England were, were very happy that that was kind of the chosen path. And, you know, that they let on that, you know, to recognise the sport, it could take us five, ten years, if, if at all. And, you know, but by integrating into the LTA, we, we achieved recognition for, for the sport of paddle um, within 10 months. So, you know, it was, it was listed under tennis, kind of like beach tennis. And it's the same way in France and Italy, you know, so we weren't the first to do it. We, we were following these examples. And in, in these other tennis nations, you know, paddle was suddenly booming because of the Tennis Federation. Suddenly it was okay for tennis venues like, like yours to actually add a paddle court. And that was the reason for me. I mean, it just looked like a win-win sport can be recognized uh, by integrating into the LTA, you know, the vast resources, the sport stands a really good chance to develop quickly. Yeah. And is that, that's what you're seeing. I mean, I hear, I hear this line around, uh, 
world's fastest going sport. And I, I sometimes like, I think, should I say that? One of the world's fastest going sports. I mean, are you seeing it? Boot is it boom for paddle in the in the UK now? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are saying you know, you're riding the paddle wave. It, <laughs> it, it really is taking off. Um, I mean, throughout Europe, it, the, the growth has just been astronomical. I mean, it's hard to believe sometimes. If you look at a country like, I mean, I'd say the, the majority of tennis federations adopting paddle and therefore you know, fast tracking growth. There's 25 federations in Europe alone that, that are tennis taking on paddle. We have 150 courts in the UK, um, which might sound like not a lot, but in the time we have integrated paddle into the LTA, you know, that's grown threefold. Um, so we've got a development plan behind this. We've got very you know, ambitious goals to, to almost catch up with the rest of Europe. You know, I think France, France and Belgium are kind of that next step. They've got about a thousand courts. So we, uh, yeah, we're aiming to get to a, at least by, you know, at least 400 courts by the end of 23. And then I think, you know, it, it will then scale moving forward. And I think it's one of those where until, until 10 days ago, I'd never played a game of paddle. Um, I didn't really know what to expect. And, uh, and now as, as like, I really, really love it. And not only that, my children really love it. Uh, my wife loves playing paddle. She's had a go. She loved it. The children's friends are playing paddle. I want to get better at paddle. I want so now I've got to tap into your knowledge bank here, Tom. You must have played thousands of hours of paddle. And how am I going to get better at this game? What should I be doing? Well, before I give you a couple of tips, I think going back to you know the reason I kind of fell in love with with paddle or initially got into it, following a tennis career. I thought, you know, the last thing I really want to do is get into another sport and start competing. I just want to have a bit of fun, something social, keep fit. You know, I was noticing that that was becoming an, an important factor. And I wasn't one for really going for a long run. So I thought this was this was right up my street. And I didn't realize that actually, you know, it's a real cardio workout. I mean, you know, it's played in doubles. You might think, ah, oh, and it's a small court. But you know, the rallies are 60 shot rallies. Um, you know, it's not power dominant. So it's, it's, it's more strategic. You, you can't really put the ball away. So you've kind of, you know, it's like a clay court tennis match. You've got to be really patient, place it, corners, angles. Um, but like you said, I mean, you know, it's great for the whole family as well. You know, I think, uh, again, because it's not power dominant, you know, you, you can play with your kids, you can play with the grandparents. I mean, you know, and, and have fun. But in terms of that, that competitive side of it, it I mean, it's, it's fascinating. If I was to think about going for a tennis game, you know, I might want to hit with a friend, maybe play a few tie breaks at the end of the session, maybe, maybe. But in paddle, all you want to do is compete. Like you could be playing for, you just have the warm up, and you want to start straight away. Like that's the goal without you even realizing. So I think that's the the, the main selling point for the sport. It's it's fun and competitive at the same time, regardless of level. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it's, it's really interesting to see. And where are you on the, the ease of playing as well? It's, it's easy and obviously, you know, underarm serve makes it a, is a yeah. massive factor in that. Yeah, I mean, you know, the serve in tennis is it's quite a barrier to entry, I, I feel, for a lot of people. 
Um, and if you haven't played racket sports, you know, tennis can be a challenge. I, I've seen a lot of people get into paddle, play four or five months, and then, you know, have the confidence to then try tennis. So it's, it really is that intro if you go that route, um, you know, or you could dedicate and play full-time paddle. I mean, you know, they've got the pro circuit, like I said before. So, you know, it's not like other formats, let's say, of the game that haven't really evolved. You know, paddle has evolved as a sport in its own right with that, with that world tour. So, so yeah, it's got a lot going for it. That's for sure. Come on. Um, can we, I mean, we've got a lot of coaches who listen to the podcast and I know that intro to paddle, uh, coaching courses are starting to appear across the UK from Wiltshire to Durham and lots of locations in between. What's the rollout of qualifications for paddle courses look like and, and you know, into your level ones, your level twos? And, and when's that likely to, to really kick in? Yeah, it, it's something I'm really excited about. We, we've got a great team at the LTA, you know, the coaching support team, which headed up by, by Merlin Vanderbrahm and, and also Joe Ward. And we've got these uh, yeah, intro courses that are being run around the countries, that, around the country, sorry. They're being, or it will be rolled out through our sort of coach development centers. And yeah, hopefully there'll be more, more courses as, as there, yeah, there are more venues to play at. Obviously the first challenge is, is you know, the, the facilities side of things. And that's part of our development plan, the, the first few years of it. Um, so yeah, I mean, coaching, you know, building a workforce around the country is, is going to play a major part in, in building sports. So I'm really happy that these courses are now, are now live. And then, you know, we, we've got the actual coaching pathway. So the qualifications will, will also be rolled out. We've actually just piloted the first, the paddle instructor course that kind of kicks off at a level two, it's a four day course. And, um, it, it's a, you know, if I don't mind saying it, it's actually a really good course. It's been developed by some by some key people in the industry, some uh, contractors that we've 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 brought in, but it's being led by Joe Ward, so so it's in really good hands. And yeah, the first structure was piloted uh, last month, and again through our coach development centres, we'll be rolling that around, rolling that out around the country. Um, yeah, and then the, another course will come after that, uh, probably in 2023. You know, we want to make sure the courses are very, very good. So there's a lot of work happening behind the scenes, a lot of the content creation and, you know, just writing the courses. Yeah. A paddle instructor, it sounds like that one, if, if it's been the kind of pilots taking place, you're hoping that that's 2022 in terms of the instructor one? No, the instructors, like I said, was piloted about a month ago. Uh, we'll run a couple of pilots because we want to perfect it. And yeah, there'll, there'll be several this year. So you know, realistically, it's 22 is is, is our launch year. Um, but that next course will most likely be delivered uh, next year. So that, that next course on the pathway. Come on. And in the in the meantime, I know it'll. I guess I think Merlin and uh, Jack to Merlin on the podcast had a great chat with him, and it's been lovely to see him since as well. But it's Merlin used the word competency. You know, a lot of it comes down to competency and the club kind of deciding what a coach can and cannot do. But, you know, as a qualified tennis coach, if, if there is a panel court in the facility, you know, are they in a position to be coaching paddle without an actual paddle qualification? I guess going way back to British paddle, that's kind of what was happening. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, with British Paddle, we we had courses that were developed. Um, you know, there were sort of one, two day courses, but low level, almost like as, as an intro. So now we've launched this first course at the LTA, the Paddle Instructor. It's it's quite in depth. Like I said, it's four day. So realistically, that's for people that want to go into paddle coaching. So for those coaches that maybe want to dabble, dabble in paddle. We've got this intro, the, the, this this CPD that it's it, it, like I said, or like you just said, sorry, and and Merlin would, would have said it comes down to competence. So if a tennis coach has that existing qualification, so long as they're trained up in, in paddle, they'll they'll be fit to deliver, they'll be insured. So there's an opportunity there to to get involved and then see if it's for them before kind of entering that that official pathway for, for paddle courses. And, and it's coming on from coaching now, but I know that, you know, some within within tennis coaches, some within the tennis fraternity, some within the, the squash fraternity, they would see paddle as a threat to their sport rather than, than something that's complementary. I mean, what would you say to those people who think paddle's a threat to, to, to their sport? Um, I mean, there's, there's an awful lot of crossover opportunities here. And, and I think a lot of squash venues around the country have been very you know forthcoming to to the sports several squash venues have already added paddle courts and i mean if you if you look at those venues that have tennis and squash i mean paddle is that hybrid so suddenly there is a sport where you can um you know you can combine both membership bases they can play together uh, you know i me being a tennis player, I, I never got into squash because it was going to be detrimental to my game. It's a very risky sport. Paddle complements both, I've been told. Squash players say a similar thing. I mean, if you look at both you know, types of, of players, tennis and squash, squash players pick up the walls so quickly. You know, they can dig out the balls from the corners with the, with the wrists. Um, but then tennis players coming forward for the volleys, very confident, used to playing doubles. So, you know, it really is a leveler almost for, the, for a tennis player and a squash player to come together and, and finally be able to convene, compete in kind of a neutral space. Yeah, come on. So, so the thought is from yourself, from, from the, you know, that, that paddle, tennis and squash, they can coexist in racket harmony. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. That, that sounds great. <laughs> it is fascinating one. I mean, you know, I, I genuinely... Um, I've seen people already coming down. So two, I saw two lads the other day who I see at weekly uh, tennis sessions and they brought two friends down with them to play paddle. Now, they wouldn't, I don't think, have taken those two friends down to play tennis because they can play to a decent level. And I, I think because tennis can be quite a hard game when you're picking it up straight away. I don't think they would have felt that maybe that was a cool thing to do. Whereas actually, because paddles, because it's uh, the you bounce and you serve underarm, because of the fact that it's, you know, the racket's somewhat similar to a swing ball racket, albeit far more high tech, you know, the, the, the kind of, you can just start and you can play in the matter of minutes. Now, if those guys enjoy playing that and develop the sort of hand-eye coordination, then I think it's our job as a, as a tennis club to offer them other opportunities. And it may be that, you know, they don't want to play tennis, but it may be that they do, you know? So if we can, if, if, if the, the sport can be a way of attracting new audiences into our tennis club, some of whom, you know, just, just play 
paddle, that's okay. But some of them come over and play tennis as well. Then that just leads to a healthier, more buzzing club. If we put a table tennis table in, then there's another sport for them to do. You know, it's like, for me, it's about the the health of a club, the vibrancy of a club. And, And from what I can see so far, paddle can play a real positive role in that. Yeah, I can I couldn't agree more. I mean, you know, year, years ago, tennis venues were looking at gyms as a solution, right, to trying to retain existing membership base. You know, pad- paddle is I mean, it's a no-brainer, really. It's if you, especially if you can maximise any derelict space, um, you know, a paddle court as well. It's a, it's a tangible asset. I mean, you know, if if you're not convinced, you don't think it's going to work, pick it up, move it, sell it, take it home, put it in your garden. You know, it's not that easy. I mean. It, it takes a couple of days to, to build one but you know my point is you know it's it's not just laid in foundations that it, it really is a tangible asset and you could uh, do something with it do you know the other day so i was chatting to someone the other day a guy called paul hargrave he's a squash squash player who's loving paddle he, he works for a uh, founder of pdh sports and he was telling me that jürgen klopp has a paddle court in his garden. I don't know if he picked it up from anywhere, but he's got a paddle court in his garden and he's got his own range of paddle bats in Germany. Now, I said that it goes to the top of my bucket list that I would like to play Jürgen at paddle tennis. I think my chances of making that bucket list item happen are virtually, well, non-existent. But Tom, you are the head of paddle at the LTA. Could you maybe get this game on with Jürgen and see what he's like? I, I think that's a, a challenge I need to kind of look into. But I mean, pa- paddle has, I mean, for me, just, you know, brought so many opportunities. I, I've been able to play paddle with, you know, some ex-tennis legends that I couldn't have dreamed of being in the same room with, like an Henri Leconte, Jonas Bjorkman, um, Thomas Johansson. And I'm mean, actually I, with some football players as well. I remember um, Totti. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we just happened to be in Rome for the European Championships and uh, Totti has a paddle court in his garden and needed a fourth. So I wasn't playing for the, for the GB team uh, that year. I was, that was kind of past me then and I was there to support. So yeah. I, was, uh, I was at Totti's garden. <laughs> wow, amazing, amazing. That is brilliant. And how did that get on? Were you like, were these footballers good or were you like, you know, come on, I can do this? They were very good. I was really surprised. Very competitive, as you can imagine, but r- really good. And, you know, with no racket skills previously, as, as he had said, um, yeah, just a natural, picked it up very quickly. And I think that's why it's so popular um, w- with football players, because I mean, they're all getting into it. And, you know, recently we've seen David Beckham playing as well. There's a little feature on, on, on YouTube with, with him playing in Doha, where the uh, one of the world tours was hosted recently, so I mean, yeah, what a great ambassador! Uh, you know, this. right? And I've got to say, from from Francis, from Totti, from Beckham to Liam down the road from me, right? So Liam is our Stanley's friend, and uh, he's got a great eye. He's a really good little footballer. He's strong. He's twelve years old. He's a good footballer. And Stanley played our son, who's twelve, played uh, paddle with him yesterday, and he loved it. And he did. And I, I guess it's because as a footballer, you've developed movement skills, you've developed coordination, you can track a ball. But he just picked it up so quickly. And again, coming back to that, that means that, you know, it does open up racket sports to a whole new audience. And actually something that Paul from PDH Sports was saying about it was he thinks that, that paddle can be a way of us actually bringing in 
footballers into a new sport who who wouldn't have tried tennis because of the difficulty. It's that transition sport in, and and I, so it is. It's 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 really popular with footballers, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, like I said before, I, I felt like you know being in Spain, I'd seen the, the future almost, and you, you see so many um, people just getting in, into the sport that you wouldn't wouldn't think you know, we get into a racket sport. I mean, they might just be gym goers. They might have been football players. Um, and then interestingly as well, um, you know, the, 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 the um, gender ratio split is so even in Spain, which I think is fantastic, right? And I mean, if, if we can do the same in the UK, we'll, we'll be onto something. Um, I mean, if it's not 50-50 in Spain, it's, it's really close. Uh, and the gap is, is closing year on, year out. And you know, at the professional level, you've got a lot of ex-tennis players, um, women getting into the into the female pro end of the game. Um, you know, there's a few top 100 players. Um, Marta Marrero, the Spanish girl, she was like 40 in um, WTA. She's number one, two in the world right now. Fluctuates a little bit with the rankings. But yeah, there's, you know, a lot of them are ex-tennis players. And, you know, we're seeing that at the club level you know, throughout the UK right now, um, you know, a lot of venues are, you know, a lot of male, female players. So it's nice to see that it's kind of, it, it's taking off that way. Great point. Great point. And by the way, I'm off to Barcelona next week with the family. I think we're going to, we're going to pack a couple of paddle bats. I want to yeah. see how we get on against these Spanish masters. <laughs> now, I mean, one of the things, you know, in terms of, um, people who love the sport and, and and people like to compete. You know, you can get a game going so quickly. I'm a big fan of county tennis. You know, I, um, both, you know, I captain junior teams. Um, I've just said I might try and get a game for the over 45s this year if they'll have me. Um, is there going to be an opportunity to represent your county? How's the, the competition framework going to develop? Yeah, I mean, there's not just opportunities to rep represent your county or, or club you know, representing a country as well. All of our seniors actually just got back from, from Vegas. Um, our, our ladies team did really well. They came eighth. Uh, the men were 15th. But they're, they're both top 16 in the world, you know, out of 60, 70 countries that are playing the sport. So, yeah, it's not bad. But in terms of county, I, I, you know, I love that comment because, well, both you and I played college tennis in the States. You know, that, that team atmosphere is um, definitely something uh, we want to keep going on, on the kind of, you know, the competition strategy side of things. And we've all already got National League, a grade, sorry, a level one and level two, male, female, and local paddle leagues just been introduced. But as, as, you know, as we get more facilities, you know, counties will then start engaging a little bit more and we can start to look like a county cup and things yeah. like that. So I'm excited for things like that moving forward. be amazing. And is it is, is junior competitions as well? Yeah, juniors. Um, we're, we're looking to develop uh, an LTA youth programme for juniors very shortly. And yeah, you know, juniors are competing all throughout the world. There's a junior world championships. So it's... Yeah, it's definitely on our radar. Um, but unfortunately, we, we just need more facilities and then all the programmes will come. Um, and there's so much we can do with the sport. So exciting. It's brilliant. And I mean, you come back to that 2012 when you're painting your courts in the colour of the London Olympics. <laughs> do you think paddle should become an Olympic sport? Is it going to become an Olympic sport? It's definitely got the potential. 
I, I feel that it's a lot harder than, than a lot of people, you know, make, make out. There's, like I said, 60, 70 countries playing the sport. I mean, look at squash. Squash has, has struggled to make it to that next step. Um, it's an Olympic sport. You need a, an awful lot of countries to be playing. Um, as of right now, if it were to become an Olympic sport, literally, you would just be handing over gold and silver medals to Spain and Argentina. So I think, you know, the sport's crossing borders quickly and we're gradually seeing more professional players from, from other nationalities. I mean, the, the, the top Swedish guy was was a uh, round of 16 in, in, in the last pro event in Doha. So it's really nice to see. And, you know, once we start seeing that, that there'll be more opportunities, I, I feel, for the sport to be presented globally as an Olympic sport. Watch this space. Uh, just, I mean, you know, we, we've been really lucky at, at, at Church Broughton in that we've had the loan from the LTA. We've had a grant from South Derbyshire District Council. We've had support on equipment from... East Midlands Airport Community Fund. And this has given our local community, both our members and far beyond, hopefully, the opportunity to, to tap into a new community resource. If you had to say in one sentence, Tom, why the community should give Paddle a try, one sentence, why should people give it a try? Um, there's a bit of pressure there, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Th this... This is the latest trend. Like you said before, it's the fastest growing sport in the world, or one of them. It, not to be missed. It's dynamic, engaging, fun for the entire family. That's like a great <laughs> sentence to me. I'm bored. in. We're bored. in. We're on our way now. Um, two, two more questions, Tom. We're so grateful for your time. Firstly, what are you driven to achieve in, in, in 2022? My, my main ambition is to increase the amount of courts throughout the country. You know, we, like I said, we've grown threefold right now. We're at 150 courts presently. My aim is to get us to 250 by the end of this year and then up to 400 by the end of 23. All of this is clearly mapped out in our paddle development plan, which, which can be seen on, on, our, on the LTA website. There's a, a paddle page. Um, so, yeah, I think that they're my kind of my, my, my frontliners. <laughs> Come on. Come on. And, and the final one, and um, it's a, a question that we ask everyone uh, that comes onto the podcast. If you could go for a drink with anyone, alive or dead, who would it be and why? Drawing a complete blank here. So I'm going to go with Tom Hardy because I've just seen... <laughs> A very, very interesting series called Taboo on Netflix. And I think he's a great actor and, and, and a, 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 a cool character, someone I'd like to have a beer with. <laughs> Come on. And, and Taboo, I mean, funnily enough, Tom, my wife said to me just the other night, Rob, you know, we finished Modern Family. <laughs> We've watched every series. Like, would you recommend Taboo? Is it like, what's the story with Taboo? Is it going to be something that we would enjoy? Um, it's, I mean, it's not my typical uh, option, I'd say, but it's, it's out there. So prepare yourself. It sounds a bit different to Modern Family. Yeah, <laughs> it's for, for adults, put it that way. <laughs> right, one for when those kids are in bed having spent the day playing paddle, which they are at the moment. Uh, so, yeah, right, we will check out Taboo. And if I, if, I, if I get scared and have to go to bed, it's used to blame, you know.
<laughs> right, come on. Well, listen, uh, thank you so much for your time. I mean, you know, I'm very new to, to paddle um, and, and I'm buzzing about it. But if you think about that journey that you've had in paddle and the role that you've played in terms of introducing it into our country and, and now, you know, heading up the growth of the sport in our country and, and seeing that potential of, of what it has become in various nations around the world and what it could become here. And, and myself just seeing people coming off our court, having had fun, having laughing, getting together with mates. I mean, what's not to love about it? So thanks so much for your time and, and all the very best with your mission. Thank you, Rob. Absolute pleasure. That's all for today, but thank you very much for listening. And if you enjoyed that, please do hit the subscribe or follow button so you keep up to date with new episodes. And we look forward to welcoming you back to my tennis journey very soon.